I'm Rick Bassman. I'm Mina Martinez. The pit bull is one of the world's most misunderstood creatures. The wildly unfair reputation surrounding these beautiful and sweet dogs has segued into mistreatment and abuse in many forms, and from there, mass euthanasia. Pit bull type dogs make up only 15% of the canine population, yet 40% of the 2 million dogs killed each year in the US shelters are bully breeds. We're here to change that. It's the lucky few pit bulls who find great, loving, forever homes. But even many of these few first have to travel a path where they're abused, made to fight, banned from entire cities, and abandoned. It takes a rare kind of person with a big heart to open their homes to a pit bull type dog. When you do, you're almost always guaranteed to find yourself with an incredibly sweet, loyal, affectionate dog who will love you with all of their heart. It's our mission to advocate for our beautiful bully breeds to overcome the unfair and inaccurate vilification surrounding the pit bull, to overturn breed-specific legislation, to abolish dog fighting. It is a big mission and we are dedicated to doing our part, starting right here at the Pitbull Podcast. Please join Rick Bassman and Mina Martinez for a new episode of the Pitbull Podcast every Saturday right here on Podcast One. Also available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and wherever you get your podcast. Hey everybody, Rick Bassman here with an episode of the Pitbull Podcast. Always happy to do this. This is a subject that is nearer and dearer to my heart than any on the planet. If you're wondering why do I have the Talking Tough banner behind me, and I'm sure my amazing partner Mina is going to give me SHIT about this, but the new Pitbull banner just didn't come out right. Mina, I promise, before you come on, I'll have it next week. Um, Without further ado, I want to bring on my dear friend and the first and only person to have a true animal sanctuary in the entire country of Japan. Actor, fighter, singer, and pit bull expert and advocate and rescuer, my dear friend, Mina Martinez. Hi, Mina Martinez from Japan today. Yes, Ah. you're back in Japan. You're no longer in, uh, in Utah. Now you're you're a no longer in Utah. My first America trip is officially over, and it went well. Yes, you 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 learned a lot. I did learn a lot. Um, I finished my course at Best Friends. It's a it's a course that's tied up with Best Friends Animal Society and um, Southern Utah University, and it's a course on running a life saving sanctuary. It's a really cool certificated course where we get nice gold embossed. Thing. So that might be up here at some point when they send it to me. I finished. I checked my score grade today. I got 99.97% score. Oh, my God, Mina. How did you miss 0.03%? Shame. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I know because you really. Because they were held at 4.30 in the morning in Japan time. That's, you know what? That's a valid excuse for, for missing <laughs> one-third of 1%, I think. I think that's very valid. <laughs> Um, I, I was uh, I was talking with our guest tonight for a few minutes before you came on, and I, I was telling them that one thing that that I really uh, one thing of many that I really love and admire about you is that 
you are willing to learn because, you know, we know a lot of people in the sanctuary world that are sure that they know it all. And mm. from the outside looking in, you can generally see that's not the case. Um, but there's no flexibility there to adapt and to change and to grow and to do what's right for the animals. So I just wanted to pay you a compliment that I love the fact you were willing to open your eyes wide and go in and learn and become even more proficient and more expert than you already are. So good on you. Oh, thank you. That's that's a really nice compliment. I've just started getting back into studying and I'm just thinking, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> so, yeah, is <laughs> that you, you did it now, you know, and on that note, you know, with the sanctuaries, I don't know how many true sanctuaries there are in the world that that rescue animals. There are fewer that rescue dogs, fewer still that are pit bull centric. I can think of maybe 15 that I know of. And I've had the opportunity one time or another in my life to visit pretty much all of them. And in some cases, spend some real time at them. And I always say that I believe I've seen everything. And I, I know far from everything, but I believe I've seen everything and have a pretty good handle on who's doing it right and who's not. I don't want to say who's doing it wrong. And I'm certainly not going to name any names, but there are very few in that former category that are professional, that have a plan, that are even tempered, that have nice facilities, that have an enrichment program, and that are doing everything, in my eyes at least, properly, the same way you're working on and working toward and achieving with Animal in Japan. And with that, I made a visit to Northern California, I think maybe maybe a Central California, I'm geographically challenged, not too many years ago, and I went to a place called Shadows Fund. I had heard about them for years. I got to spend a little bit of time there, um, have formed somewhat of an ongoing relationship with the owners and operators since that time. And these people, in my estimation, are amongst the very, very few that are doing it right. Once we bring them on, Mina, I want to turn it over to you. You're going to have a lot more to talk about with them probably than I will because this is your world. But without mm -hmm. further hesitation... For those who want to see how it's done right, I'm very, very happy to introduce Jill and Cody Rackley from Shadows Fund. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi Mina. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, happy thank you for here. having us. Very nice to meet you. So um, how did you get started with Pitbulls and why Pitbulls? Well, Sorry, I'm just diving right in here. <laughs> Actually, a funny story. Yeah, sort of quite by accident. And, um, you know, we started helping senior dogs as, as a tribute to a beloved senior dog that we had adopted in the past. And we were going down to a crowded shelter in L.A. to pick up a senior dog. Mm -hmm. And we got there, and there were we were utterly naive, brand new to the rescue world, didn't know anything. I don't think we'd ever even met a pit bull. I had um, never met a pit bull for sure. <laughs> And uh, the volunteers at that shelter made us aware that there were 13 young pit bulls, you know, in the age of one to three, who were going to be euthanized that weekend for space. The shelter was overcrowded. These were all healthy young dogs, all passed their temperament test. And us being, you know, sort of naive to the rescue world and, um, you know, just sort of ready to jump off uh, the deep end, we said, well, hey, we live on 20 acres. We'll take all 13. And I, a, a friend brought a car down with me. We had two cars and we put six in one and seven in the other, you know, loose. 
dogs that didn't even know each other and uh, drove up from LA and it went fine. There were no dog fights. There were no um, dogs escaping. Everything went great. And I think the dogs thought we were utterly insane and we're like, everybody just mind your P's and Q's, be still, <laughs> this lady's crazy. Um, but that started our journey. You know, we brought those dogs home and quickly learned that um, there's this whole group of dogs out there. And I hesitate to say breed because we all know that so many dogs with big heads and short coats get called pit bulls. Um, but there's this whole group of dogs out there that are being unfairly targeted or passed over for adoption or discriminated against because of the way they look. They have a big head, a big jaw, short coat, and that brings with it all kinds of myths and stigmas and misconceptions. And we wanted to do something about it. So you, you're talking about the bully breed, right? Like the bullies in general, um, American bullies and, and Staffordshire Bull Terriers and... and American pitbull like, terriers, Argentinos, and stuff American like that. Dogs. Yeah, it's and, and on and on. I, I, I'm sorry, I got to back up for a second. Cody, you had never seen a pit bull before, and the next thing you know, you got 13 coming to your property. I didn't even know what to think about it. I wasn't there, was no hesitation or reservation. I didn't know anything about the breed. I had grown up with lots of dogs and all kinds of other animals. And so to me, it was just 13 dogs. And it wasn't until really deep into having all 13 of those and figuring out what, what to do with them that I started to understand the stigma, the discrimination, and how hard that was going to be to try to place these 13 dogs. And it's funny that you just said that, that you said to me it was just 13 dogs. And the thing is, at, you know, 15 years later in this journey, what we've realized is, yes, they are just dogs. Um, but to the rest of the world and to insurance companies and to, you know, all kinds of decision makers, um, they're not just dogs. And so there's been this, you know, Rick, you know this and Mina, I'm sure you know this, this ongoing um, fight to change minds and to mm -hmm. educate people about who these dogs are and the fact that they are at the end of the day, just dogs. That's um, amazing. So with, that, so with you on that, Jill, although I, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little prejudiced though in the opposite direction. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're dogs, but they are the best dogs. I mean, there's in my, in my mind, in my somewhat considerable experience, there's no dog's love like a pit bull's love. That's for sure. They're, uh, they're my heart. That's for sure. And well, as soon as you yeah, love one, you yeah. love one back. We, you know, that's, we that's joke it. because of all the, all the people who we introduced to their first pit bull, including my mother, some of our relatives, people who were absolutely certainly never have a pit bull in their life. Um, once they had one, that's all they had. So it's sort of like tattoos. You can never have just one pit bull. And once you get one, there's no going back. Um, you'll, you'll have pit bulls for life. One of our favorite stories is we used to do adoption events at a winery in a tourist town and we get all these people traveling up from LA and they saw these cute dogs and puppies and they'd be petting them and, you know, they'd spend an hour with you. And then after all this time, they would go, Hey, what kind of dog is this? And you tell them it was a pit bull and they would jump back and all of a sudden the world had changed for them. And we would be able to say, you just spent an hour with that dog and totally made this connection 
and loved on that dog. And it was just that word that changed mm -hmm. the perception of that interaction. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big moment for us to go, there's something's wrong here. Yeah. And that kind of, we really took up the torch after that. Have you um, seen what goes into the temperament test? Because we don't, I don't think they have that here in Japan. Yeah, so it depends, right? Shelters do their own temperament tests and they all have um, various models they might use. There's um, the National Temperament Testing Association, but um, if you boil them all down to what do they have in common, it's generally um, their sociability with humans, you know, being approached by a stranger, their sociability or um, ability to not react to a strange dog, um, how they are around resources like food, things like that. Um, and, you know, one of the statistics that folks are always surprised to learn here in the U.S. is that um, routinely pit bulls test better than, um, gosh. 98% of other breeds. They're always in so that really high. Part they're in the high percentage rate. They test higher than breeds that are common family pets like golden retrievers. Pitties outperform them year after year in the temperament test. And so, you know, for us, this journey has really been about um, not only dispelling the myths and educating people about these dogs, but just giving them opportunities to connect with one of these dogs so that they can um, experience what we have all experienced for themselves. So That's what would awesome. be like a great example of somebody that was very, very anti-pit bull, afraid of pit bulls, wouldn't get near one that you've turned around? And how did that happen? My mom. <laughs> so uh, I moved out here almost 20 years ago from uh, the Detroit, Michigan area. And my mom moved out maybe a decade later. And we were already running Shadows Fun. And she said, as she was preparing to move out, I'm never coming to that pit bull sanctuary of yours. I, I don't want anything to do with those dogs. They're dangerous. Yada, yada, yada. She gets out here. We introduce her to her first one. Not only did she subsequently adopt a brother and sister pity pair, she is one of our most loyal, dedicated volunteers. She's here every single five, day. Yeah, nearly every, at least every week. She does all their laundry. She cleans for them. She cuddles them. She brings them treats to pass out. She considers herself the grandma to our pities. Um, so she is just utterly turned around. And, and, you know, look, we're a sanctuary. So sometimes we get dogs who are court ordered to be sanctuary dogs. You know, maybe they've had some trauma in their past. Um, in our home, we house the dogs who are the most challenging. And my mom, who was a self-professed, um, you know, person who was afraid of pit bulls, comes into my home every single day and interacts with dogs who, who courts found to be dangerous. And um, yeah, utter, utter turnaround. I, I love that. Sorry, Cody, go ahead. I was just going to say one of our dogs, Jordan, he would, he was notorious. He, he changed so many minds when we would take him out in public. Um, he would go and just sit next to children. Um, when we would have a party at our house, we'd have people come over that say, don't let your dogs out. I'm really afraid of pit bulls. And then by the end of the night, they're in the corner and Jordan's in their lap and they're asleep. You know, he, he just had this way of like disarming anyone, no matter what their fear was. So he changed a lot of minds and hearts. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, I've always been very lucky with my pack. Could I'll bring them into any situation with people that they'd never met. And I, I know 100% 
they're going to be golden. And, and, and they've turned a lot of people too. But where, where I'm sensing a big difference between like myself and you two, for instance, you guys seem like so kind and so gentle and so patient. It's like, if I find someone that's anti-pitbull, <laughs> I have a hard time being nice about it. Um, can you give me some advice about how we might, how I might do a better introduction? <clears throat> well, you know, look, uh, in the rescue industry and in, in the advocacy industry, I think we all face the same challenge you do, Rick, in that it's, you can't, you take it personally, right? Um, these are animals you care about. Some are your own personal animals. And so when, when folks express prejudice about them or these unfounded fears, it, it feels very much like a personal attack. And I think all of us, you know, on our not best days have been um, much less than graceful. What we try to remember, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's putting it nicely. Yeah. What we try to remember is that um, if, if we can step back from that for a moment and recognize that all of us, humans, dogs, every, every being on the planet, we are all at our worst when we're acting from a place of fear. And those people are acting from a place of fear. If we can just start from that place of understanding and find some kind of bridge, maybe it's that sweet little soft wiggle butt pit bull that's gonna come up to them real gently, um, find some kind of bridge to give them a connection and to start to have a conversation that feels uh, open and um, not necessarily like an attack from us, then we're going to do more favors for these dogs. We're going to change minds and hearts about these dogs. And it's hard. It's hard to set your personal feelings about that aside, but but we have to, right? We do a lot of work in the community doing pet retention, trying to keep dogs out of the shelter and frequently for behavior issues. And so a lot of times we're going into these homes, talking to a family who is afraid of their own dog, people who didn't, who don't, they didn't do the research or didn't understand what's going on at all. And so we've learned through that experience how to de-escalate the situation how to bring kind of the emotion out of it. And we always try to focus on what didn't happen, uh, what things could have gone differently and kind of what, you know, because frequently it's one issue that happened in several years. And the people with that one issue, they forget the other thousand days the dog was a perfect angel. And in that, when you kind of bring that perspective in, it does help them try to understand the other side of it. And we put that same tool to use when we're talking to people who really have no idea what they're talking about. That's all such good advice. Thank you. That, that's super helpful. And so if all else fails, what do you do? Do you turn the Lhasa Opsas and the Pomeranians loose on them? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a team of attack very, to water. It was a bad attempt at humor. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. But, you know, kind of on that note, Cody, you, you mentioned Jill turned to you for a statistic not long ago. And I, I want to grind into this just for a moment, if you don't mind. One of you also said something like a golden retriever being less likely to perform well in a temperament test than a pit bull type dog. Now, I'm all into the stats. I'll bore people to death with it. And I don't want to do that to our listeners. I want to spare them. But um you know, I, I know that's the truth. A 
a golden is going to be a lot. If there was a thing called a bite list, the golden's going to appear above the pit bull. I know that. You guys know that. I think anybody else out there listening to this right now is like, come on, how could that be? The golden retriever. Um, could you talk about where pit bulls fall in that spectrum and, and like back that up with, with some statistics? Well, the very first thing that we always go to is when people talk about how aggressive the breed is, we remind them that statistically, you know, there might be a couple hundred incidents in America each year with a pit bull and the other, you know, 1,900,000 pit bulls didn't do anything. They were perfect family dogs that didn't bring up any sort of incident. So it's a staggering how many of these dogs live in our society constantly being the best dogs. One of the best statistics, Rick, to pull out for folks that are, are you know, trying to challenge you on, on pit bulls or bite statistics or anything like that is to get the current year's statistics of how many owned pit bulls there are in the U.S., how many bite reports involving that breed. And, and we'll, we'll set aside for a moment that most bite reports mislabel breeds, but we'll set that aside. Um, if you look at how many are owned and how many bite in a year, something like 99.99999% did nothing but be good dogs. And so, you know, when you throw that back at people uh, to say, okay, well, sure, there were, there were 200 bites this year out of over 2 million owned pit bulls, um, then it starts to put it in a perspective that they can wrap their brain around. No, nobody's writing headlines that say my pit bull was a good dog today. No, and, and, and all these other dog bites from all the other breeds, you know, I think the AKC last year recognized 200 breeds or currently recognizes 200. And uh, we could we could debate all day long how many of those breeds would fall into this bully breed or pit bull type dog category. But for sake of argument, let's say there's a dozen, who knows, maybe there's 14, whatever it is. So that means there's 180 some other breeds. And when those dogs bite, they just don't report the breed. They say dog bites gets reported at all. Yet a pit bull type bites or anything that remotely even looks, you know, the big head, as you said, bites. It's going to be reported as pit bull goes on a rampage. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't know what to do about it, but I, I think that's part of the problem we face every day. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, there's the media bias. I mean, there's whole books written about the media bias with, with pities. And, um, you know, part of that is the quote unquote sexiness around using the word pit bull in your headline. Um, you know, people still associate those dogs. With- it's okay, guys. <laughs> You know who's barking, getting everybody worked up here? Not a pit bull. <laughs> it's one of our German <laughs> shepherds. <laughs> um, oh, your pup is beautiful. Your pup is looking that. right at us right now. Uh, who who the, is that? Which one? The white one or the... Yes, the white one. Look, And now she's looking Butters. at you. This is Butters. Oh. And um, Cody just went to reassure our German shepherd, who I think is hearing strange voices and is uh, doing his job as a shepherd. Um, So, you know, coming back to the media bias, so Rick, there's, because of, you know, the 80s and 90s and dog fighting in the headlines and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. um, Using the word pit bull is more attractive to media and it it grabs people's attention. And so you're, you're absolutely correct. 
if there's any other breed involved, it will say dog attack, dog bite. If it's pity, it names a breed. And um, not only does that create an unfair bias, uh, but as you already pointed out, more times than not, that dog labeled pit bull may be another breeder and in most likely cases is a mix of, you know, like butters here, a Heinz 57. Yep. There was um, last year in Japan uh, because I'm I've got tattoos. It's not very I'm not very well viewed in Japan. I've got pit bulls in the garden and stuff. And the police came by, and um, he told me uh, well, there were three policemen that came to do like a report and stuff. And one guy, one of them said, um, quite recently there was an old Japanese man, and he picked up his infant um, grandkid and his pit bull that he owned got jealous and bit the baby's head and killed the baby. And that was a pit bull. And so be careful of your dogs. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And after he left, I checked my, I checked on Google and I looked up the story. It was actually a golden retriever that did it. But like, it's a completely different breed, but it's more, there's more impact when they say a pit bull did it. So like this fear comes out of just, just the name. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And, um, you know, uh, uh, here in the US, we have so much discrimination that uh, one of the biggest reasons that our shelters are full of uh, pit bull type dogs is housing discrimination. Landlords don't want to rent to people with pities. And even if they do, um, most insurance companies, although this is slowly changing, most insurance companies uh, would not cover homeowners if they had a, a quote-unquote pit bull living on their property. Um, and so, you know, shifting perception and, sh and educating people about this is vital because they're good dogs dying in shelters because of the way they look, simply because the people who love and care about them cannot find housing. Um, here in California, and Rick, I'm sure knows this, we're a state of, you know, mostly renters. And people that have pities that try to move and try to find pit bull friendly housing, it's next to impossible. And so these really beloved family dogs end up in shelters because their family has to choose between their dog and a roof over their head. And that's not a choice anybody should have to, ever have to make. You know, I, I just want Is to interject. Oh, go ahead, Mina. I'm sorry, please. I was just wondering if there's this the same kind of thing with any other breed in any of America, like a German Shepherd if there are restrictions on, on those as well. Yeah, oh. it's, not, it's, not as, um, it's not as prevalent as with pities, but there are some insurance companies or landlords who will include other breeds in the list that, that they call the aggressive breeds, and that would be Rottweilers, German Shepherds. Oh. Um, Malinois. Yeah, yeah, Belgian Malinois, dogs like that. But for the most part, it's the pities. You know, you know Sorry, what's interesting Rick, here, Mia? No, that's right. And it goes back to this whole the media bias again. In the 70s, the, I don't, Joe and Cody, you guys probably aren't old enough to remember this. I am. I admit it. In, in the 70s, the fear dog breed was the German Shepherd. And then mm -hmm. after that, it was the Doberman Pinscher. Then mm -hmm. after that, it was a Rottweiler. And yeah. they each had about a seven, eight, nine, ten year shelf, shelf life as being like the poster child for the bad dog movement or bad dog mm -hmm. breed. Then the pit bull came along and that's la outlasted everybody else times two and more. It's like 20 years now. And my, my whole theory on that, and Jill, you articulated it so well, 
is that it's media bias. Social media didn't exist till 20 years ago. So that, in my mind, is what's perpetuated the, the reputation surrounding the breed. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like so not into politics, but I just I, I call that fake news. It's fake news. Well, it's un, it's unfortunate. And what do we do about it? That's the question. We had a, a family that we helped um, with a legal case and it was a local story. It was a, a minor injury. But the headline in the newspaper was Pitbull bites neighbor, something like that. There were people from all over the world that were anti-bully breeds that were logging in, creating accounts on this local newspaper and just filling with these hateful messages. It was mm -hmm. the strangest thing that we'd ever seen. Yeah. And there, there were hundreds of these people and only a dozen local people that were offering their support because they actually knew the facts. So there's that just hateful drive from that other side of the opinion that they really go out of their way to make a problem for everybody else. How did you, how did you um, handle that situation? There was nothing we could do. We, we started to kind of mount a response and then we decided to ignore it because there were just, I don't know if it was a one or two people with a dozen accounts or if it was dozens of people just spewing this garbage, but uh, we, we had to just kind of disconnect and focus on helping the family. But you, you know what, you sort of find that on a lot of social media pages where um, any anything involving a pit bull gets brought up, there are these groups, I, I kind of call them pit bull hate groups, that show up and they will just, they're mm -hmm. trolls. It's almost like they just, maybe they've set up a word search um, to get alerted, but they, they show up on these posts that involve pit bulls and they'll just absolutely flood it uh, with hate and, and kind of as Cody was saying, we we don't add fuel to that fire by engaging in what is actually a, a sort of a fake conversation. Yeah, they're not looking for anything but to be hostile. Yeah. Yeah. It would be so, so nice to have that much time on your hands. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. It really, it really is. No so we, we all know, I think we're all painfully aware of what the problem is. I think we're all doing the best we can in our part, you know, to save one dog at a time. And you guys, Jill and Cody and Mina in particular, you guys are doing great work with that. What can we do, if anything, to have a larger impact? Is this is this insurmountable? Do we just have to keep our eye on, on our own our own backyard, or is there more that we can do to turn this around? Well, it's definitely surmountable um, because in the 15 years we've been doing this, um, while it's slow, we have seen change and we have seen progress. Um, you know, Denver is lifting their breed ban on pitties. I mean, that was a whole city that banned the dogs and they're getting ready to lift a breed ban again in Florida uh, coming up here. Um, some states, New York is one of them, um, have passed laws that will not allow insurance companies to discriminate against dog breeds. So change is slowly happening. Um, we have to stay the course, even when it feels like we're doing an enormous amount of work to take a a tiny baby step toward the goal. Those baby steps are getting us closer and closer and closer. When you've got whole cities or whole states um, changing breed bans and breed discriminations, that impacts lives. The other thing I think we have to do, Rick, and, and this is and Mina, one of the things we've been doing is um, focusing on the fact that 
pitties and, and, and any other breed you want to talk about out there are as individual as we are. And so we, we try to focus on our dogs, not by the breed that they are, but by who they are as an individual. Butters, who's sitting with us, is utterly different from the dog who lives next door from him, who's different from the dog who lives next door from him. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the wiggle butts, you've got the athletes, you've got the class clowns, you've got the really smart straight A students who wanna learn and perform and, and do things. The Every, very serious, focused ones. Yeah. So when we when we take folks out of that space of focusing on a label, you know, we did a campaign many years ago called I Am More Than a Label. And we had people share photos of their pity doing what they loved. Maybe it was uh, competing in agility. Maybe it was just utterly couch potatoing on the couch. Maybe it was just going for a stroll. Maybe it was hugging grandma, whatever it is. Um, we wanted to let people know these dogs aren't aren't this thing you can paint into a labeled box. They're as unique and individual as we are. Get to know the dog that's right in front of you. If you've got a friend or a family member or a neighbor with a pity, go get to know that dog. And if you have another one, get to know that dog. And they're probably going to be quite different from one another. Um, they're individuals. Stop. You know, as humans, we don't want to be labeled Um in these box categories. We wanna be seen for who we are, for what we are, for our actions, for what we do. Um, and we should extend the same courtesy to the four-legged friends we share the planet with. I, I, I love that. And you know, Jill's like, I, I, Cody, I think Cody knows, I come largely from, the, and Mina too, comes from a fighting background. I come from the mixed martial arts world and the pro wrestling world. And it's like some of my best friends on this planet I don't know how else to say this. It's going to sound so un-PC, but some of my best friends on this planet are like the world's largest, scariest looking black men. Okay, so there, I said it. I don't know how else to put it. And I, I can be out with them and I will see people cross the street to avoid them. And then I'll see people that maybe had crossed the street, but somehow didn't and ended up engaging with them and going, oh my God, this is like the nicest person I ever met. Oh, he's so smart. He's so articulate. He's so sweet. I mean, it's like that. That's how I see these dogs. And it's like, Absolutely. It, 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 I don't even know my point of this. I had to bring it up. It was on my mind by, by listening to, to what you said. So it, would it be cool if a person naturally had a prejudice against a large black guy? I don't think that's very cool. Just, just because he's large and black. So <laughs> I, I wish people maybe would think of it that way. Um, or whatever, however they might typify a person. That's what's being that, The other piece of that that I think is really interesting is the incredible range of what a pit bull is. It can be a 30-pound little thing that doesn't look anything like its 150-pound counterpart, you know? It's such a mixed bag of uh, physically what they can look like. You know, what? why did people decide to put all of those things in the same category. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And that, that's a whole nother problem. Like what, 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 what is a pit bull, right? And uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's an endless debate, but let me ask you this on that note, in terms of temperament, in terms of the makeup of what, let, let's say these 12 or 14 different breeds are all pit bulls, including Odie, the 35 pound Staffordshire Bull Terrier and the, um, uh, this is a stretch, 
a 150 pound bull mastiff because some people would call that a pit bull. Mm -hmm. um, how would you describe this dog as a, as a living being, their brain, their heart? How would you describe a pit bull? Not physically, you know the essence of them. Well, the, the first answer to that for me is that um, I wouldn't until I met that individual dog. The same way I wouldn't describe your friend who's the, the big professional fighter black man until I met him. Um, generalizations, even in a good way, uh, and you know, as pit bull lovers, we tend to want to generalize the great things about this breed that we love so much. And and of course, you can have breed similarities. We all know, you know, border collies have breed similarities. Terriers have some breed similarities. There are things that we see and love in our pities. Um, you know, the way they connect to humans, their loyalty, their affection, their little wiggle butts, all that stuff. But at the end of the day they're still individuals and who they are and their experiences and the way that they feel about and connect to the world is, is unique and different. And I don't think I would try to describe one until I met that particular dog. And that's what I would say to someone, um, you know, let, let me meet your dog and then I'll tell you who your dog is. Can you introduce the dogs that you have there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know How if you know about them. He's, a, he's kind of asleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> This is Butters, um, and Butters is absolutely one of those dogs who, if you look at his shelter paperwork, he's he's called a pit bull, um, but if you were to DNA test him, he's probably got about 30 different things in him. And um, behind me here, if you can, you can sort of see her. <laughs> yeah. That's his best friend, Red. Um, not a pit bull, she's a little shepherd mix um, who, came here absolutely terrified of everything and Butters just won her over. She was afraid of humans, loves other dogs. Uh, Butters being the amazing gentle soul that he is, kind of comforted Red and, and now the two are inseparable. And off camera, we have a third dog, a little black pity named Jack. And the three of them share this room. We're actually in their room. We're doing this podcast from Butters' room. And, um, and they're amazing. They were all just shelter dogs who you know, had experiences in life that made it hard for them to thrive in a traditional home. They needed more time. They needed a whole lot of understanding. None of that had anything to do with their breed. It was just their life experiences. And so they came here to the sanctuary um, where they get to just be who they are. And Butters is a court ordered dangerous dog, you know, that's <laughs> just had some really unfortunate experiences. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And he's not quick to trust people, but he's just the sweetest thing you ever met and he is friendly with other dogs and he's just a gem. So, but butters is a court ordered dangerous dog. I don't know about you, Mina, but I'm pretty terrified right now. Yeah. Does he have like seven bites on his record? Who, who do you have in your lap, Rick? Yeah, Rick, how many are there? You know, it was it was funny. We're talking about dogs because about introducing our dogs. It was so funny. As soon as Mina said that, my dog Wilson wandered over and he does <laughs> what he does. Every time I'm on a podcast, he trips over the cord that holds mm -hmm. the ringlet. He knocks the light over. So mm -hmm. that's why I've suddenly gone dark. Um, <laughs> that's I look better in the dark anyway, so it's fine. Um, Good job, Wilson. <laughs> And Wilson is the poster child. He's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. 
he, he's blind. Um, he was about to be dumped at a shelter when I picked him up for the guy who was going to dump him. That was on Maui. And uh, Wilson is the official poster child the vicious pit bull movement. Mm. See? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, look at you with your tongue. <laughs> he's, he's the guy right there. Yeah. Mm. Love no, Wilson to um, death. Sweetheart. If, if this is a little bit of a segue, but it's, um, you know, we've, we've all just kind of talked about jokingly these sort of vicious dogs. Um, you know, but being a sanctuary, we, we get the dogs with behavior quirks. And we like to get into the weeds a lot on dog behavior and what causes it. And um, because it's pretty rare that dogs quote unquote snap. Um, and in our 15 years, we've not yet met a truly aggressive dog. We've met a lot of fearful dogs. We've met a lot of reactive dogs. We've met a lot of dogs with unrecognized triggers. Um, but one of the things Rick that we saw as sort of a phenomenon here in the US that was really contributing to um, a lot of behaviors that people might think is associated with the breed is for a while it got really popular uh, for folks to have pit bull puppies. High school students were getting them. Um, it was the cool thing because of the sort of macho status symbol. Everybody wanted a pity. And what we saw happening just in our own community on social media, but also all over the country is people were getting these five and six week old puppies that were taken away from their mom and their litter far too young. And as we followed these dogs in our local community, because many of them ended up with us eventually, um, what we saw were behaviors um, that are not a result of any particular breed characteristic that are a result of what happens when you take a puppy away from the mom and litter before that puppy is adequately socialized before that puppy learns bite inhibition, before that puppy learns confidence and that the world is not scary. And so you've got these young pups going to homes way too early, being removed from their litter way too early, from their mom way too early, and oftentimes being left home alone or in a backyard to sort of decide what the world means for themselves, which is no different than leaving a toddler home to raise themselves. And you're, you get these eight and nine months old uh, puppies who end up afraid of everything. Of course they are. They've been home alone. They have no idea if that truck or that mailman or the UPS driver or the bicycle going by is a threat and there's nobody there to tell them it's not. So you, what you see is these nine month, 10 month, year old pity mixes ending up in shelters for reactive and fearful based behavior. Um, but it's this cycle that you can trace back to puppyhood in these early, in these early experiences. Um, a lot of other breeds they have more reputable breeders that are taking a little better care of that kind of transition period in late stage puppyhood. And, and it's these kids that are selling them for a status symbol or for money yeah. or whatever. So, you know, these dogs have suffered more than the average, you know, dog in that way. They've been taken advantage of in that oh way. Oh my God. I mean, pities. You know, they, they've been misunderstood. They've been exploited. They've been discriminated against. They've been, um, you know, overbred and taken away from their, from their families too young. All the, all the worst things that humans can do, whether with bad intention or good intention, but lack of information, we've done to this breed. And, and yet, um, aren't they always just right there, ready to forgive and be happy and wiggly and greet you and, and um, you know, 
when you look back at the Michael Vick case and all those pities that were rehabilitated and went into homes, you know, as humans, we would never be capable of that level of forgiveness when you consider the atrocities those dogs suffer. And yet that is not the exception. That is the rule. Anytime they go in and take these dogs out of fighting situations, the very first thing those dogs are doing is running up to their rescuer with a little wiggle button, happy and face kisses, just ready to forgive that human despite what their experiences have been. And boy, does that say a lot about the resilience of dogs. Yeah, to answer your question earlier, Rick, of to describe the breed, that's the word. It's resilient. Uh, you know, I can't imagine mm -hmm. another dog that goes to that length yeah. to just show its, you know, its joy and, and everything. You, the German shepherds here, they're such drama queens, you know, they, <laughs> they get a little stick in their toe and the, it's the end of the world. And <laughs> these guys, you know, suffer such horrible things and they're ready to meet every day with joy and, and forgiveness and happiness. It's, it's remarkable. And mm -hmm. to be honest, it really drives what we do because we see what they do. Yeah. They've kind that, of got it. So does. I mean, Cody, you said resilient and you're so right. And, and Jill, you were talking about their loving nature and that's, you know, it's always been my experience. I've had my hands now on, I mean, nowhere near the amount of dogs that they, that Jill and Cody and Mina have, but I don't know. I've probably had my hands on a thousand pit bulls, um, pit bull type dogs. I've been bitten once and that was separating a fight. And I know it was not intended for me. Um, three of my four dogs here at home, Wilson included, were pretty severely, well, from pretty severely abused to horribly severely abused. Uh, Eos being at the, the height and, Eos and, Eos and me and I have a special relationship. And this dog was slid open from throat to the bottom of her belly, thrown against walls. I mean, you name it. And if you met her now, heck, if, if you walk, I don't want to say this to any would-be burglars out there, but <laughs> if you, walk, you already know what I'm going to say. If, uh, if you walk right now and you laid on your back on the floor looking up at the ceiling and my four dogs in the room you're in danger of of death by licking that's pretty <laughs> much it and they they forgive and they love and that's that's my experience of the breed after more than a few encounters for sure you know it's funny that you say that i was at a home uh just about a week ago uh they just adopted a new dog and wanted some help introducing the existing dog and the new dog and the new dog's a big old beautiful pity mix. And they said, you know, you know we love how big he is. We, we had a, an intruder here not long ago, an attempted break-in. Um, you know, maybe that's gonna change now that we have this dog. And I said, if you've got a pity thinking he's gonna stop intruders, but he's gonna welcome him in. Like yeah. when they come in, he's just gonna go Let me show you where the treat jar is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rub my belly, scratch my butt. Like they're, they're, not, they're not guard dog breeds. They love humans. I mean, pities. Sure, you're going to come across in any breed dogs that have had, um, you know, some fear, some lack of socialization. But by and large, and and almost at a disproportionate level compared to other breeds, pities just love humans. They are connected to humans. They, you know, instantly want to be your friend. And um, 
you know, it's funny that people think exactly the opposite about them because almost any other breed is going to be better suited to be that kind of guard dog breed than a pity. Yeah, and, and Mina, that's been your experience. I mean, you, you got into this rescue world through large, large pit bull type dogs, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this is kind of, my head's been thinking about this for a while now, like the whole media, like sensationalizing pit bulls. I was talking with one of the uh, students from the course and we were talking about how the media destroys whole breeds and whole like chunks of animals, especially pit bulls, by just like sensationalizing. And one, um, one of the things that came up was, you know, there was a concert in, I think it was Las Vegas and there was a big shooting and it was huge news and they interviewed one of the guys who was a victim in the hospital and they were talking about how the human race is coming to an end and it's all terrible and this guy was like no i saw one really really bad guy and thousands of just amazing people coming together helping each other like carrying each other bringing water through all this panic everyone was coming together and that really got me I almost cried. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But that happens with pit bulls as well, doesn't it? It's like one one bad thing happens and then they really zero in on that and just milk it for everything. And um, it's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I think I swallowed a fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. That's a podcast first. Well, oh, no. well. well while you're trying to expel the fly, Mina, can you can you lean a little bit to your side and show off that photo of you with your two uh, little babies? Three babies back there. Three here. Um, I think I ate it. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is Ella. She was my service dog. Um, she's my first pit bull, and she died last year. That's Roxy. She's in the garden. Um, and... Louis, he didn't last long. He died of a um, bee sting, like a reaction to a bee sting. Oh, oh no. Oh, it broke my heart. But yeah, Roxy is still very much alive and kicking. And um, and for some reason, people are afraid of her when they come in, but it's the other, like the big fluffy dogs that, that you have to watch out for because they're the ones that will bite. Roxy will never, ever her teeth on you yeah so jill, jill and cody you started this journey 15 years ago you took i still trying to get my head around you just taking 13 bullies home that mm. i i don't want to get into the shelter that let you adopt 13 bullies but that's a story for another day <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah. um what what became of so it was 15 years i would imagine that sadly n none of them are any longer with us because it's been One 15 is. years one oh my them. God! Wow, amazing. He still lives what, with us. What, what actually, became of this? Alive. Yeah. Um. What became of them? So actually, two of them are still alive because one lives with us and one is alive and well up in Portland. They're both fifteen years old, um, and the rest were all all but three were adopted of those original thirteen. Um, one of them ended up being um, really reactive to other dogs. She was a massive pity mix, probably about 90 pounds. And, you know, one of the things that you've probably encountered in this, in this industry is that 
Um, trying to find a home for a pity that has to be an only dog is tough. Um, so many people are not open to the breed. Um, so many people face housing discrimination. And if you are willing to adopt a pity, you're probably a pity lover and you probably already have one or two or 10. <laughs> um, so <laughs> placing a pity as an only dog is, is a real niche market, right? You're, it's usually that person who just lost the last of their 10 pities and they have room for an only dog. But so she ended up staying with us and two others did as well that were either, you know, one had significant chronic health issues that nobody wanted to take on. And the other was just a super shy little wallflower that wanted nothing to do with any strangers, but bonded to that other dog. So um, three of the 13 lived out their lives with us. One is still alive. He's 15. He's kicking. He's, he's doing great. Indestructible. He is the patriarch of our pack. Uh, doing amazing. And the rest, the rest found homes and have, most of them have since passed, but they found homes, lived out wonderful, beautiful lives. And, you know, I'm so glad that we were as naive as we were back then. And that we just <laughs> took a chance and brought all those dogs home because they, they would have, you know, they would have died the next day. Well, bl bless you guys for your impulsive decision. Look what it turned into. And here you yeah. are all these years. That's beautiful. Amazing. You know, lead, leading the charge for the betterment of the pit bull. That's it. It's such a great thing you guys are doing. Um, we're, we're, well, the hour flew by. So let's put the, before we go, let's put a spotlight on, on Shadows Fund. So you guys are a nonprofit 501c3, as we say, in very, very good standing. I looked you guys up on GuideStar. The uh, charity world loves you, uh, as they should. Um, if you guys were stuck in an elevator with a donor and you had one minute before you the door, <laughs> what do you tell them about what Shadow Fund is doing? It's funny because we just uh, today said, you know, we, we need to work on our elevator speech. Good timing, Rick. Oh, um, <laughs> you're uh, on the spot. You're on. Um, I think what we tell them is that we we bring hope and second chances to the most vulnerable dogs. We give those dogs who have no reason to hope, who've been passed over, forgotten, thrown away, um, a reminder that they're special, that their life has value, and we're gonna deliver that promise to them. That fantastic. So well done. Beautiful. Take that my was like money. 30 seconds. You, you, <laughs> yeah. Well, don't take my money because I need it, but if I had yeah. any extra, I'd totally give it to you. Thank you, Mina. And Same to you. Yeah. How can people look you up? Uh, how can people look up Shadows Fund and how can how can they support you? Yeah, so uh, our website is shadowsfund.org. Um, we're also on social media. We're Shadows Fund on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. Um, you can go to our website. You can go to our social pages and follow what we're doing. Uh, we have a 100-acre sanctuary. We have, at any given time, 50 dogs here. Um, we're out in the community helping people keep their dogs. We help shelter dogs go home all over the Pacific Northwest. Um, and here at the sanctuary, we focus on the toughest dogs who need a little bit more time. Um, and so we're always doing uh, things here at the sanctuary for the community, like training clinics. Um, we train shelter staff and volunteers and how to understand the dogs that they're caring for. Um, A ton of pet retention stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Rick, you've been here to the sanctuary and, and it, it's even changed a lot since it's you've actually, been here. Yeah. I was going to say it's changed a lot since um, I've been here last. One of the things that we do here and that we pride ourselves on is that uh, 
every dog is given what they need to be their best selves here. When the dog arrives, we don't set about trying to change the dog. Our first and really only goal is to let the dog show us who they are and what they need to live their best life. Um, yeah, it's we, amazing. It it's amazing what uh, decompression time and understanding can do. Uh, some of the most aggressive dogs that have come through our doors, they're just, you know, they, they open up that other side of them and they, they show you that they can, they're just trying to navigate this world. And with that little bit of understanding, you can reach them. Yeah. Uh, Cody, I'm with you. I always say that you can take a pit bull from the worst possible situation. And once you let them know they're safe, you're about to experience the biggest heart you've ever experienced. That's what I always stand by in any case. That's true. And, uh, yeah. As far as the, the Shadows Fund, I, I'm, I, I want to see more. So it's shadows, plural, S-H-A-D-O-W-S fund.org. And meet up. Next time you're out LA way, let's, uh, let's hop in the car and take a road trip up north and check it out. Yeah. Um, I would love that. That would be amazing. I want to do a whole sanctuary tour and go and visit lots of different ones. That would be really important too. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just not enough awareness about it and it'd yeah. be interesting for everybody to share what we're doing. I think um, if, if more rescues came together and helped each other and shared resources as well, that would be like amazing. Absolutely. In the rescue world, it's, it, it can be a bit tough because some of us see each other as rivals when I think we sh we're, we're, we're all working towards the same goal and just save one more animal, one more animal. So um, yeah. I really loved talking with you and it was so nice to meet you, uh, well, virtually. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you too. I hope that we have a long and, um, I don't know, mutually beneficial um relationship going forwards yes amen to that i think it's the start of something beautiful from from the outside looking in um on, on behalf of wilson and every other pit bull on this planet <laughs> i want to thank uh, all three of you for what you do you're all doing amazing work joe and cody thanks so much for taking the time and being with us we really appreciate it and uh let's be in touch please Thanks Absolutely. for having us. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Good night. Talk to you soon. Oh. And Mina. Yeah. You got, oh, you, you met, this is so uh, you nice. Met spirits there, didn't you? You met kindred spirits. Yeah. I, uh, one thing that, that, that got me there was they don't look like pit bull people, if you get what I mean. I... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. They look like, I, I don't want to say it, like uh, po poodle people or kind of like, I don't know. Like but I really love the fact, <laughs> yeah, like golden uh, retriever people. Like, yeah, yeah. And, they and look like, like I'm, that. I'm, but I'm so with you. I'm watching this tonight and I'm thinking about people in my life who are close to me that I'm having frustrations with on um, what we talked about, the, the prejudice. And I'm like, I want to get them to watch this so they can see Jill and Cody, you know? Um, and and I, I think people like Jill and Cody, and unfortunately there's not a lot like Jill and Cody, are exactly what our breeds need to uh, 
to have a better chance for the future, for sure. Yeah, I think they're super awesome. Well, I really I enjoyed listening to them today. I'm so glad you guys could meet. And as always, I know that you're in the middle of it, middle of day, Japan time. You have a lot of animals to care for at Animal Sanctuary, because we always want to talk about animal, A-N-I, or I want to anyway. I know well, you're, a lot, you're a lot humbler about it than I am. But um, Bino Martinez, everybody, is doing amazing work in Japan, as Cody and Jill Rackley are in California. And you can see what Mina is doing at animo, A-N-I-M-O, sanctuary.com. Right, Mina? Yep. Well, I'm most active on Facebook. So if you look up animo, then hyphen Mina's Exotic Animal Sanctuary, um, there's there's a whole lot of animals going on there. There's just everything happening. Uh, I don't post that much pit bulls anymore, so I've got to get back on that. I think you darn well better. <laughs> yeah. that, and that's all I got to say about that. I will. I will. I'm going to go and take some pit bull pictures today and post them. Beautiful. Please, uh, please give the babies my love. I will do. Good to see you as always, my friend. Good to see you too, and I'm going to see you next week, yeah? We will, and it is Rick and Mina signing off for the Pitbull Podcast. Thank you. See you next week. Have a good night, y'all.